Welcome to another episode of Fear Not, the podcast that tells us why we're afraid of the wrong things and oblivious to stuff that could kill us. Your trending fears this week. Active shooter drills are sending our kids to therapy. Sharks. Need I say more? Sharks. No, that's it. Just sharks. Sharks. Every year, it's sharks. Shark, shark, sh shark, shark. Fear the 5G apocalypse. Facial recognition banned in San Francisco. Uh, isn't that where they invented it? Barry's fear of the week. And here's a hint. It's sticky and delicious. And of course, our regular feature, Fear Florida. That and so much more coming up on Fear Not. Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a budget cookie to tell me the way I'm feeling. Gonna be a good day. A good day. Welcome to Fear Not. It's episode number four. I'm Alonzo Bowden, and I'm here with my fear-busting co-host, Dr. Barry Glasner, the world's foremost expert on fear. Hey, Alonzo, as always, my goal is to debunk daily fear-mongering that we're bombarded with every day in the news and in social media. You literally wrote the book on fear. No, really, he did. It's called The Culture of Fear, Why Americans Are Afraid of the Wrong Things. Yeah, I wrote it because I was skeptical. We get a lot of fiction, and it's fed to us as facts. And you're the expert because you're a sociologist by trade. Exactly. I'm trained to dig for the truth when it comes to human behavior and how we interact as society. And I've gotten pretty good at figuring out what fear-mongering we can ignore, which ones we should pay attention to, you know, which we should truly fear and what we shouldn't, and that's what I'm here to do right now. Kind of scares me just thinking about it. We also answer listener questions, so we hope you'll send those to us and send your fears. That's right. We're on Twitter at FearNotOfficial, or go to FearNotOfficial.com and send us an email. And while you're there, click on the subscribe button and you'll get an alert when new episodes are posted, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's see what's trending in the world of fear this week. Headline number one. Seems like it comes back in style every summer. Shark attacks have Cape Cod on edge. <laughs> it says Cape Cod is expecting some unwanted visitors this summer. They don't want poor people coming in from Rhode Island. These shark attack stories come up every year about this time around summertime. And Cape Cod is, quote, a global hotspot for great white sharks. But sharks near Cape Cod are having a bit of a resurgence due to the replenished population of seals, which sharks use for food. Seems our conservation efforts are working. Ever since the Federal Marine Mammal Protection Act, which is, goes back to 1972, ever since then, Cape Cod is once again home of tens of thousands of gray seals, and they're just too delicious for the sharks to resist. Okay, so this story, good for the sharks, Bad for seals, and I guess that makes it bad for humans? Yeah, for seals, maybe for humans. But unfortunately, last September, a white shark mistook a 26-year-old boogie boarder for food, uh, and it's sad, killed him. Well, that's sad, but uh, it'll teach you to go boogie boarding. My favorite quote from this article is the advice from an unnamed Massachusetts official 
on what to do about the sharks. And it says, stay away from seals and avoid splashing that might attract sharks. See, now the advice I would give is stay away from the ocean. That's where sharks live. But this guy's advice didn't help the boogie boarder, nor did it help a 62-year-old neurologist from New York named William Litton. He was attacked by a shark last August, but he survived by punching the shark in the gills? Man, that's got to hurt. Yeah, it didn't hurt the shark. It hurt the doctor. The punch lacerated his hand. Shark gills are sharp, and he almost lost his leg to the shark bite. He had to have 10 surgeries to put him back together. Okay, I'll admit. Jaws aside, being attacked by a shark is scary. I mean, listen to this. Charlie Fry has a story to tell this morning after a shark tore into him on a surfing trip. I felt like a, a hand grabbing me, like shaking me. It just went for my sort of shoulder, got a big thud, and I saw a shark's head come out of the water with its teeth, and I just punched it in the face. I genuinely thought I was going to die. So it's like you're, you know, you're about to be eaten alive by a shark. This is what I'm saying. Being attacked by a shark, that's scary. This is, this is why I stay out of the ocean. Shark going to attack me, he got to catch me at the mall. I love the ocean. I'm not going to avoid it. I'll tell you the truth, I'm an avid snorkeler. In fact, I've gone to the Great Barrier Reef three times, and uh, I didn't encounter any sharks. Look, here are the facts about sharks. Yes, they're dangerous. No one's saying the idea of being attacked by a shark isn't horrific. It is. But, you know, so is being attacked by a hungry bear or a swarm of bees or a rattlesnake or a coyote all of which, by the way, Alonzo, are within a mile of where I live. Which is why I wouldn't visit you, Barry. But regarding that boogie boarder who was killed last year, can you guess when the last previous shark death was in that area? Last year. It's every summer, right? 82 years ago. In a person's lifetime, the odds of getting attacked and killed by a shark are about 1 in 3.8 million. All right? Meanwhile, the odds of dying from fireworks... That's about 1 in 350,000. So you have a far, far greater chance of dying on the beach from a 4th of July fireworks explosion than you do from getting bitten to death by a great white. And contrary to the mythology that goes back to the movie Jaws, humans aren't the white shark's menu. We're just not on their menu. They much prefer seals and sea turtles to us. But we don't taste good? Most U.S. deaths from animals are not because of wild beasts like sharks and mountain lions and bears, oh my. They're from deadly encounters with farm animals, insect stings, dog attacks. See? And that's why I stay away from farms. And remember the headline that started all of this? Shark attacks have Cape Cod on edge. Well, it should have read, human attacks have sharks on edge, because every year, humans kill over 100 million sharks, mostly in fishing nets, so sharks should fear us. But, you know, I told you my favorite quote from the article was about how splashing water attracts sharks. My second favorite quote is from the CEO of the local chamber of commerce there. He said, no tourists this summer, now that's something to fear. So this is like the movie Jaws, right? I mean, that was a scene in the movie. And what did you say the name of this shark is? It's a carcaridin carcarius. It's a great white. But you, you don't have the tooth. Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have to close those beaches. We're, we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Actually, I think the whole thing started with Jaws. And you know, then another great thing from the story, there was a lifeguard named Greg Johnson 
uh, and he's been a lifeguard all the way since 1979, and he said, the job of lifeguarding itself has completely changed. We've gone from Baywatch to MASH. Um, by the way, for our listeners, under 30, MASH is a reference to a 70s-era sitcom about an Army medical unit in the Korean War. And Baywatch, uh, that was a show starring bathing suits uh, that happened to be filled by Pam Anderson and David Hasselhoff. I mean, come on. Okay, first of all, Barry, he's been a lifeguard since 1979. That's 40 years, okay? So I don't need a 60- or 70-year-old lifeguard trying to save me, and I certainly don't need to see him in a bathing suit. Okay, all kidding aside, you would think that stoking this fear is not good for anyone. Who wants us to be afraid of sharks? Well, the Wall Street Journal does, Discovery Channel does. In fact, anyone who wants to sell eyeballs to advertisers does. They're using our genetic built-in fight-or-flight fear, which, you know, we're born with, goes back to our ancestors. They're using it to get our attention and to sell us stuff. So, shark attacks, fear or fear not? Fear not. Yeah, well, that's your answer. My answer, fear. Now, full disclosure, I can't swim. Yeah, I know, black guy who can't swim. Amazing. But you know what? I've never been attacked by a shark. My record's perfect. Laugh now. Headline number two comes to us from a listener named Kerry in Virginia. It's about her kid freaking out after an active shooter drill at school. Let's take a listen. Hey, Barry and Alonzo. Um, so basically, the reason I'm calling is my son Jackson is seven. And uh, last week, he did an active shooter drill at a school. Um, and then this weekend, we took him to the baseball game. And they had all these fireworks. And when they went off, my son dove under a seat and started screaming at us to get down on the ground. He started crying hysterically. I mean, finally, we had to take him to the therapist just to, like, calm him down and I'm just I'm all about preparing for for stuff but is there such a thing as too much fear this really is a great question I feel bad for the kid I mean the last time someone ducked for cover at a baseball game was when Roseanne Barr was singing the national anthem <laughs> but all comedy aside here and I always appreciate the comedy we've been grappling with this for 20 years since the Columbine shooting in 1999 I don't have kids but I have a friend and she actually left the country. Her and her husband moved back to Ireland because she said things are getting so crazy and she didn't want to raise her child in a world where there were active shooter drills. Now, this is what she's afraid of, all right? So let's set up the scenario because we've seen it before. First, there's a terrible school shooting. Now, we can't take the gun away from the crazy person, right? Because he's usually a white guy with a manifesto. And then we have the Second Amendment argument. You can't take the gun, blah, blah, blah. So instead, we add a ton of security to the schools. And then we talk about things like arming the teachers. And we scare the living shit out of these little kids by showing them what to do if a nut job comes to school with an arsenal of guns determined to do maximum carnage. Okay, kids, let's all repeat the active shooter mantra. Run, hide, fight. Run, hide, fight. This is insane, Barry. Is there any data? that shows this is working. That's pretty much the story, Alonzo, and I get it. That's a hot-button issue for you, and I'm going to answer your question. I'm also going to answer the caller's question. But uh, let, let's get a few more facts first, all right? I've written about this subject a lot, and in fact, Michael Moore's Academy Award-winning movie, Bowling for Columbine, was inspired partly by my work that deals with mass shootings and by our, about our response to it and all that kind of thing. 
So here's what we need to know. About 95% of public schools run lockdown drills. More than 4 million students have experienced at least one lockdown uh, or a lockdown drill. That includes 220,000 kindergartners, kindergartens, little kids and preschoolers. There's a lot of money being made off of active shooter drills. There's a company called Alice Training, and it stands for alert, lockdown, inform, counter, evacuate. And this Alice Training Company, they've sold their services to more than 5,000 schools. They've trained over a million individuals. You know how much the training costs per class? You know, Barry, I read your book, and I noticed fear things all about money. So what are they charging, $1,000 a kid or some crazy number? About $600 a class. That adds up to a lot of money. And they're just one of the companies. Another company sells something called the Night Lock Barricading System, for which they get $60 per door. There are a lot of doors in most schools. And this one is supposed to provide protection in just seconds for emergency lockdown situations. Isn't that something we've had before we call a lock? This is a real expensive version of that. There's another marketer who's selling something called Life Light. And I love this one. This is a laser-sided pepper spray launching flashlight that sells for 200 bucks a unit. See, this is the insanity I'm talking about. So a guy's shooting at you with a gun, and you're going to pull out a flashlight with pepper spray. And it gets worse. Some schools go all out to make these drills even more real. They use things like fake blood and firing blanks at students. Some places require the drills not to be announced even in advance, which makes them appear real. One school in Indiana actually had teachers shot execution style with pellet guns, leaving them injured for real. And this is why the kid was scared. Listen, when I was a kid, we had fire drills, but they didn't actually set fire to the gym so it would be a little more realistic. What the hell is wrong with these people? So, all right, here's the bottom line. Do we know if this is working? Are they actually protecting the kids? As the caller said, the drills alone can really affect a kid in bad ways. Some schools have psychologists available during drills for the students. Some schools, fortunately, are becoming a little more reasonable by doing at least age-appropriate drills, and some have changed the nature of their drills to be so-called lockdown or shelter-in-place drills to remove the active shooter aspect. But as a criminologist at Northeastern University put it, there's no evidence that these drills work. And if the real thing does happen, when adrenaline's pumping, all those lessons learned are going to be forgotten. Listen, he and other experts recommend you just tell kids what happens in the case of an active shooter. You show them videos about what to do, like the safety videos on planes. I mean, Alonzo, when, when was the last time you got on a plane and actually rehearsed putting on life jackets and sliding down the, the, the wing of a plane? Parents need to stop worrying about this like this. There have been 288 school shootings in the U.S. over the last decade, which is ridiculous. It's terrible, and we need to do something to make it a lot more difficult for firearms to end up in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. But the odds of a school student, a public school student, getting shot and killed that's about 1 in 614 million. Your kids have a better chance of being killed by a shark or hit by lightning than by an active shooter. I still think it's insane, but you tell me you're the expert. Active shooter drills, fear or fear not? Fear the drills, not the shooters. Fearing the shooters just makes them more powerful. It creates more shooters who want to feel powerful by doing something crazy. Headline number three, 
Russia and the 5G cancer scare. Well, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Let's break this down. You got Russia, 5G, and cancer. I think we all know we should fear Russia after the last presidential election. And cancer is one of those things, well, we all fear it. I mean, nobody likes to say it out loud. But 5G? For our listeners who aren't familiar with 5G, it's the next-gen or fifth-generation mobile Internet connectivity. It's taking over for 4G, which was introduced way back about 10 years ago. So 5G is supposed to bring much faster speed, wider coverage, more stable connections, crisper images, things like that, more bandwidth. And it's already rolling out in some U.S. cities. And it should be across the country by the end of the year. Now that we all know what it is, and of course we all want it immediately, let's listen to this report on a TV network that's called RT America. The title is Experiment on Humanity. Well, joining us now is our correspondent, Michelle Greenstein, with uh, the latest on uh, 5G. And I guess the question would be that here's the setup. Boom. Is there a catch? There is just a small one. It might kill you. <laughs> Good to know. A few days ago, actually, a group of scientists, doctors, environmental organizers, and concerned citizens got together and they called for the urgent stop to the deployment of 5G. They mm. said that it's been proven harmful to human bodies, that this is an experiment on humanity, mm. and that this should be called a crime under international law. So based on this, 5G is going to kill us all, right? It's a menace to public health. It's causing brain cancer, infertility, autism, heart tumors, Alzheimer's disease. For me personally, my only concern, putting my phone in my pocket because, you know, it's right near a very sensitive area and I don't want anything to go wrong. I mean, Barry, isn't this why we have a federal government, right, to find and block this stuff that could kill us? Of course, but, you know, when it comes to new tech, sometimes the tech gets ahead of the regulation. But that's not what's going on here. But look, before we look at the science itself, let's just uh, take a look at this anecdotally. Alonzo, do you know anyone who's gotten brain cancer or that other kind down lower from their phone? Not personally. Right. And as you were saying, you know where people put their phones. They put them in their pockets, which is right next to, uh, well, you know. And yet, here's the thing. The rate of increase in testicular cancer has slowed lately. It's not gone up. And you'd think it would go up if iPhones were causing cancer down there. That's what would happen. But in this case, well-designed studies, scientific studies, have scrutinized wireless technology for years to try to find any potential health risks. And according to public health officials at the World Health Organization, for example, the research contradicts the claims of health risks. Thank you, Barry. I can keep my phone in my pocket. Uh, you're very welcome. Anytime I can help in that kind of way. But it's interesting how these scares come about. You know, that's a lot of what we do on this podcast. Health concerns were raised last year, for instance, when a federal study showed that 2G telecom signals would produce brain cancer and male rats. But officials ruled out a direct link to humans, saying that people receive smaller doses. And how did they make a cell phone small enough for a rat? <laughs> right. I don't want to be a rat. They're bombarding me like, let's see how much of this will give him brain cancer. Not good. Some people might say that's that's fine for the current tech, but what about 5G? I mean, more bandwidth must be a stronger signal. 5G operates near the highest frequencies on the radio wave spectrum and all that. And so some fear mongers assert the higher the frequency, the more dangerous it is to living organisms. But the truth is, it appears to be just exactly the opposite. 
the higher the radio frequency, the less it penetrates human skin. Here's what a medical doctor and professor of radiology and physics at Temple University said. 5G emissions, if anything, should be safer than previous generations. So who's pushing this story? I mean, what's their agenda? Aha! Well, turns out that RT America is a U.S.-based but Moscow-backed television network, the same network that U.S. intelligence identified as a principal meddler in the 2016 presidential election. And you know what? They're still meddling. The RT America story that we just played for you, that went viral. It was picked up all over the place. For example, that headline we read at the top of the piece, it's from the Wall Street Journal. The Russians have a vested interest in sowing fear into the fabric of the 5G rollout. Why? It helps them compete with the U.S. by slowing consumer interest in 5G here while they're rolling out their own 5G. Sowing fear creates chaos, and that helps them improve their global position. So this is the problem with these headlines, right? When people see Russia 5G cancer scare, they don't see the Russia part, right? They just see 5G cancer scare. I, I wish that these news outlets would stop doing that, just stop trying, but, but again... I guess that's ridiculous. So 5G is not going to give you cancer. Barry, 5G apocalypse, fear or fear not? Fear not 5G, but fear RT America. Maybe I should start reading Russian news, but they have all those weird backwards-ass letters. I'll never learn it. Never mind. Down in Florida, we welcome you to the Sunshine State. It's time for our favorite segment, Fear Florida. This headline from HuffPo reads, Group assaults Florida man, forcibly tattoos misspelled racial slur on his neck. Here are the facts. A 41-year-old man opened his doors to a group of four people who claimed they were there to cover a gang tattoo on his neck. They wrestled him to the floor, held him down, while another person tattooed his neck. He tried to fight him off. They knocked him unconscious. He woke to the tattoo artist saying, I've never done this before. When finished, the tattoo read, Fuck you, Niger. Apparently, these Floridians wanted to send a message to a West African nation. My favorite part of this story is that one of the criminals said the tattoo wasn't meant to be racist. Apparently, they were just trying to discipline the victim for violating their gang rules. Fun fact, it didn't even cover up the old tattoo. I love this. Fuck you, Niger. Once again, proving my theory, white supremacists are the least supreme white people you will ever see. <laughs> Florida, same as every week. Oh, yeah. Fear Florida. Headline number four ran in every news source in the world. San Francisco bans facial recognition technology. That's right, Alonso. San Francisco we're talking about here, the bedroom community to Silicon Valley, home to more tech incubators than, I don't know, the, the combined nurseries of all the U.S. hospitals in the country. It's the tech mecca, and they're about to ban the use of facial recognition software by their city police and other agencies? Yeah, they are. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted 8 to 1 to make San Francisco the first major American city to block the use of technology that exists on nearly every smartphone in the world. So this is like a scene out of the movie Minority Report if Tom Cruise suddenly decided to reject tech and break all those glass walls. Let me get this right. They invent facial recognition technology. Then they let it out of Pandora's box, and now they're having a change of heart? What is this, Jurassic Park? You wouldn't think 
that a giant fear technology would have come from the epicenter of high tech. But there are a few things to take into consideration here. I'll take into consideration that it's about as hypocritical as it can get. I mean, the Bay Area is home to Facebook, Google, Instagram, Snapchat, Oracle, and, and hundreds of big data companies. I don't know about them, but they sure as hell know everything about me. There's no such thing as privacy to these companies. I mean, they're like Big Brother watching us 24-7. Then they share everything they know about us to the highest bidder. Now suddenly, they don't want their faces scanned? Take a deep breath, because this isn't the first time that the governments use new tech to their advantage, only to then later be regulated because they were abusing the privilege and invading our right to privacy. First, remember, San Francisco is one of the most liberal cities in the world, so they pride themselves on protecting civil liberties. And also, remember this, the vote was 8 to 1. It wasn't even close. Ask yourself, should the government be allowed to use high-tech to do surveillance on their citizens, especially without us knowing it? No, no, the government shouldn't be allowed to do it. But they should have thought of that when they came up with the technology and gave it to the government. But look, there's a lot to be said in favor of this. Many police forces, local, state, and federal, use facial recognition. They use them to find both small-time criminal suspects, you know, if you're going through the stoplight, and it was used to help to find the suspect in that mass shooting at the Annapolis, Maryland newspaper last June, for instance. In one form or another, facial recognition is being used all over the place. It's being used at airports and stadiums. Uh, I read that Taylor Swift has been using it at her shows to help identify stalkers. I read that the technology might be racist. It's called gender shades. The study reported that systems from IBM and Microsoft were much better at identifying the gender of white men's faces than they were at identifying the gender of dark-skinned or female. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Does this mean we could get a pass on getting busted? <laughs> yeah. It can identify black people? Oh, okay. Now I see why they're banning it. They can't identify the brothers. Well, the idea of privacy is one that's got a lot of young people laughing at us, right? They're sitting around sending all kinds of personal stuff everywhere. They're DMing each other on social media. They're live streaming their lives. You don't even need public facial recognition to solve whether a millennial committed a crime. All you got to do is check social media. They probably posted about it. Think about all the privacy that you give away daily. Your phone apps, your grocery store, club card, the ATMs you use, what you buy on Amazon. Your data is all out there. People can use it for good or bad. Okay, Barry, what do you think? Facial recognition, fear or fear not? Fear not. Yeah, I say fear. The government watching us has never worked out in our favor. It's time for my favorite segment, Barry's Fear of the Week. What got to you this week, Barry? Uh, this is a big one for me, and I quote, Climate change could mean less maple syrup for our pancakes. Oh yeah, I could see why this would cause a worldwide panic. The article literally said climate change could eventually render the sticky stuff extinct. I can't eat my waffles or pancakes without maple syrup. What am I supposed to do? Start ordering chicken and waffles hold the waffles? Hold on, hold on, Barry. You down at Roscoe's having chicken and waffles? See, this might stop me from eating chicken and waffles. Barry's eating it. I got to move on. I like Roscoe's. But look, the only plus in this whole story 
is that this will be the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to climate change deniers. They'll go away because they like maple syrup. Was it the ocean levels rising? No. Was it, was it the severe storms? No. What happened? There was no syrup for the pancakes. <laughs> Okay. This comes from a study that was published in the journal Ecology. They looked at over a thousand maple trees in four states in Michigan between 1994 and 2013. The lead researcher on the study said the biggest trees will still be there, but won't grow as much and the little saplings won't survive. So what's happening is climate change has led to drier growing seasons. It's stunting the growth of sugar maples. And they studied the tree growth, not the sap production. But let's get real here. If the tree stops growing, it won't be as productive. I love this. I love this. That this, with all the crap going on in the world, this is what freaks you out. This is a man who's written books, who's run colleges, but what drove him crazy? Oh, man, no more maple syrup. I'm, I'm not going to lose it. Here's the thing. You want to get science involved? Invent a maple syrup that's not sticky. Why can't we do that? <laughs> in terms of the actual problem here, which is global warming and the effects on it. In fact, it turns out that they have applied some new tech to maple syrup gathering, uh, and it's helped a little bit. In 2012, the last year that they studied the process, maple sap gatherers in New England were able to place about 5% more taps than they were the year before. But there was a run of hot weather that caused a 27% drop in production. So to be fair here, what the scientists are saying is it could take another 80 years for the maple apocalypse to occur. So this is really one for our descendants. But I, for one, want them to be able to pour it on. I want my descendants to have maple syrup. So I'm thinking I might start to hoard maple syrup now, uh, unless I eat it all first. All right, Barry, you say fear the apocalypse. I say, another problem for millennials. I'm going to enjoy syrup. Yes, but here's the good news. Maple syrup unopened in a glass bottle can last indefinitely. Good for you hoarders. Before we can let you go do whatever it is you do when this episode is over, other than binge listen to another episode, Barry and I would like to send you off with a little something for the road. A nightcap, if you will. Something sweet and strong that'll make you smile. Every week, our crack research team digs for a fun story that's gone viral, one that's so ridiculously outrageous that it can't be true, or maybe it is. This week's nightcap is called Taco Bell Hotel. Did you just say Taco Bell Hotel? That's right. So they actually have a hotel that you can only check in when you're drunk and it's after 2 a.m.? That's right, Taco Bell Hotel. If you've always dreamed of spending a night in a Taco Bell, or maybe you did spend a night at one after passing out on that table, you know, where everybody is throwing up from a long night of margaritas and tequila shots. Anyway, this is your chance to live your dream. This August in Palm Springs, California, when it'll be 120 degrees in the shade, Taco Bell is doing a pop-up hotel for four nights only. They're doing this hotel in 120-degree heat in Palm Springs. That's just when I think of going to Taco Bell. They say that the pool will feature hot sauce packet pool floaties. There'll also be a gift shop with Taco Bell hotel apparel and accessories. And my favorite fact, 
They'll have an on-site salon offering Taco Bell-inspired nail art, haircuts, and braids. Yeah, I want a Taco Bell haircut. I don't even want to think about what a ta- I don't have hair, and I wouldn't want a Taco Bell haircut. You might be wondering, has this been done before? Well, yes, it has. In 2016, Taco Bell fans in Ontario were afforded the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to spend a night in a Taco Bell. The fans slept in a Taco Bell. Are we sure those weren't just homeless people? They called it a staycation. They set up a bunk bed, couch, side tables in the middle of one of their restaurants. The setup provided a picturesque view of the ordering counter and the soda fountain. And the thing about this nightcap, Alonzo, all the ones we've done so far have been false. This one is true. Alonzo, fear or fear not? My answer, fear. If you like what you heard, hell, even if you hated what you heard, hit the subscribe button and tune in every week. Give us a five-star review to help us rise on the charts. And as always, if you hear news stories that make your hair stand on end or they sound like someone is trying to fill you with fear, send them to us at fearnotofficial.com or tweet us at fearnotofficial. And we'll see if we can uh, find the truth. Let us know what you're scared of. Goodbye. Fear Not is a Stone and Company Entertainment production, hosted by Alonzo Bowden and Dr. Barry Glasner. Executive produced by Scott A. Stone. Produced and edited by Adam Everest. Written by Scott A. Stone, Barry Glasner, and Adam Everest. Alonzo writes stuff too. Don't believe him. Our sound engineer is David I. Legal Beagles, Loeb and Loeb. Crack accountants are 10 key accounting. Special thanks to Gary Brown, Betsy Amster, and Adam's imaginary girlfriend.